Hey, Mason, how's it going? Chilling, man. Chilling. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I decided, you know what? No song parody this week. That's what I decided. Hmm. Well, that's a yeah. shame. That's a shame. I feel Why? like you've told me, you told me otherwise. Did earlier. I? Did I say something otherwise earlier yeah. this week? Did I say yeah, something yeah. different? Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you, you suggested there would be a full song parody this week. Oh, did I? Did I say a full song parody? Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, you know what? I could do a full. I could actually. I'll do a full. I'll do the full song parody. No problem. Do you have the time to watch some Family Guy? Maybe a Brian Epp or maybe a Meg one. I am one of those play epic fucking fools. Who doesn't know if he likes the show or doesn't? Sometimes I give myself the creeps. I, I should have blown my When I watch Family Guy under the sheets, it goes on autoplay. But I don't want to stay. Do I like Family Guy or am I fucked? I went on the computer to talk Stewie and Peter. Some folks with cool usernames called me a ball sack. I went on Amazon while sitting on the John to pre-order season 18 to deck the halls with. Sometimes I give myself the shits. But that's how you know that show hits. Doosh, doosh, it, it goes on autoplay. But I don't want to stay. Do I like Family Guy or am I fucked? Doosh, 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 doosh. One more episode. Of the talking child. Uh, what's up, Mason? We still have about a minute to go. So. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You feeling good? You feeling okay? I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling so good. Sorry. Once again, can't hear a fucking word you're saying. <laughs> I'm listening to the music. But uh, you know what? We actually got one more chorus. Let's do it right now. Sometimes I give myself the chills. But Lois gives me some cheap thrills. Doosh, 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 doosh. Goes on autoplay. But I don't want to stay. Do I like Family Guy? Or am I fucked? Doosh, doosh, doosh. About 30 seconds of an outro. So just take, take 30 seconds off. Make sure you're good. You're playing, yeah. Oh, I, how you know I'm not just gonna play that out? Yeah, so all the way out. All that's seconds. what I'm. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's what you want to happen? Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it a doom, doom, doom. Dookie by Green Day. Excuse me. Basket Case is the actual song. Dookie is the. Dookie's the album. Um. Mason, I did the full song parody uh, after all. I decided to do the full song parody after all. I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad that you yeah. made that choice this week. <laughs> <laughs> really fucked. Um, kind of cool, though. <laughs> kind of sick that I did that. Would you agree? 
Yeah, sick shit, brother. I'm really, I'm really happy. <laughs> really You're proud. pissed, dude. You're fucking pissed. <laughs> no, what? Of course not. How could I be? That's a classic song. Everyone loves the song Basket Case by Green Day off the album Dookie. That Did is an appropriately know? rated album, I feel. Song Very least. appropriately rated. Did you know that it is Basket Case is the number one song on Green Day's popular Spotify listing? That's so nice, honestly. <laughs> um, I did not know that, actually. I did not know that. Um, and now I'm just thinking about, like, that's in, the, what, the hundreds of millions of streams there? Let's check, because I'm on the fucking shit that we're talking about today. <laughs> I'm on their Spotify, but let's see. Basket Case has, yep, 509,987,266 wow. million Half a billion streams. streams. Yeah, half a billion. Yeah, five hundred nine billion nine hundred eighty-seven million two hundred sixty-six. Wait, five oh, what billion streams? What's going no, on? No, 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 no. I'm fucking. I'm fucking up here. I'm doing art school <laughs> math here. Five hundred nine million nine hundred eighty-seven thousand two hundred sixty-six streams as okay. of what's today, the fourth that we're recording. Yeah, February fourth. I would have thought it would have been something off American Idiot. I actually would have thought it would have been Wake Me Up When September Ends, is what I would have thought. Yeah, right? That's what I kind of thought, too. Or, um, uh, uh, how many streams does, um, no, 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 how many streams does, um, the graduations, uh, another turning point of forks Oh, yeah, yeah. How many streams does it have? This is the second time I've done a Green Day song, then, because I did that as a full parody song, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, that has 337 million... 995,407 wow. wow. streams. It's number five, the fifth most popular. That's kind of, so. I'm kind of surprised that it's that big of a gap between the two of them, honestly. You just, I guess, well, it's like Dookie came out in what, 94? The American Idiot comes out 10 years later. But like Spotify's been around since after both those things. So I don't know. Kind of weird. I guess it just goes to show you that like I think more people. People would rather listen to, like, I don't know, Basket Case is a very good song. And I'm, I, it's nice that that many people have listened to it. And I think that uh, it just goes to show you that anyone can like that song, basically. Uh, it's the, on, it's the, one of only two Dookie songs in the top ten most popular Green Day Spotify. Do you know what the other one is? Is it When I Come Dookie? Around? It is When I Come Around. Yeah. you want to take a guess at approximately how many streams that one has? Mm-hmm. You can say no. You can say no. You can I'm going to no. go 106 <laughs> million. Price is right rules. Uh, final answer? Yeah. Mason, you are not close. Are oh. you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 240 million. Wow. 456,824 okay. streams as nice. of uh, February 4th. 2021. Guys, listening to this in 2026. Uh, let's get it up to a, a quarter out. billion. Let's give it a quarter billion. <laughs> like if you're listening to this in 2027. <laughs> <laughs> like if, like if the Earth is still around yeah. in 2027. <laughs> straight up, dude. Um, Mason. Yeah. What's up, brother? What the fuck is up, bro? It's been such a tough week. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, you were telling me off mic. It sounds fucking shitty. It was a shitty week, uh, and there's and it's a, even it's being capped off by an even shittier thing, which is doing this podcast. Yeah, so. exactly. I actually have two more days of work still. I work Tuesday through Saturday, and so I have to still do that shit into my weekend. Do you when you found out that your schedule was going to be Tuesday through Saturday, and you're going to have Sunday Monday off? 
did you look at the camera Jim Halpert style and go, well, at least I get Mondays off. Yeah, right? basically. You know? I did. Yeah. No, dude, when I was working on a uh, the one like TV show I worked in, my month-long PA gig in 2019, uh, my one yeah. and only like kind of gig of that length doing that PA stuff, uh, that schedule turned to be, because we were shooting at a high school, that schedule became Wednesday through Sunday, and you would have Monday, Tuesday off. And I kind of like that a little bit, too. I kind of like that. Okay. I kind of like having that Monday, was like, Tuesday That was off. when I first met you. That was when I first met you. I remember we were first doing the podcast when you were still living in, uh, what was it? Was it was it technically K-Town? Were you in K-Town? <sighs> it was Wilshire and Crenshaw. K-Town, basically, um, also kind of mid-city or like Hancock Park. I don't know. On Wikipedia, the boundary of K-Town includes my street, like, ends on it. So I think I'm oh. just in it. Um but also kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was a really weirdly located place. You were there. It was you went the, there a lot. I went there at least 15 times. That's how many episodes we did mm-hmm. uh, before before the world changed. Yeah. Before things said, fuck, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> we're doing it differently. Riddler trophies all over the city. You're going to go look for them, folks. I'm saying that because I just re-downloaded. They remastered both. Arkham Asylum Hell and yeah. Arkham City Hell for yeah. PS4, and I had such a jonesing to play those games because I played them back when it was the uh, PS3, PS3 Xbox. Yeah, I had Arkham Asylum yeah. on PS3. I don't know if I had City, but I for sure had Asylum. One of the best games of all time. Fun I was game. Just gonna say that it's fun just to be, uh, just to be a bruiser. You know? <laughs> Do you mean Batman when you say, when yeah, you say that? Do yeah. you mean Batman? Okay. Sometimes it's fun to beat people up is the moral of that game. <laughs> Some And look, it's, sometimes it is. Sometimes it yeah. is. Uh, I'm still, I got it actually. Well, what were you going to say? I say I'm still playing Katamari Damacy a lot. I don't know how to say that. K- Katamari I say Damacy. Damacy. I don't know what it actually Katamari is. Katamari Damacy. I guess that makes sense. But that game's so fun because you're just going around collecting toys, basically. And sure. even when you're, like, eating, like, rolling people into your katamari, you're like, it's okay, it's a dull person. It's not, like, violent. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, this guy doesn't give a shit about anything, he's not real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got two stories for you, Mason, and then we can officially introduce the show. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. You're not on Twitter. Maybe I sent this in an, a group chat that we're in. But um, I had a dream the other night. I think it was last, two nights ago. I think I had this dream two nights ago. I was in high school. I wasn't mm. in my building that was my high school, but I was in a high school. Mm. And I saw these two girls that I went to high school with sitting at a, like a little table in a hallway or whatever. And I went up to them. <laughs> I, I went up to them and I said, hey, guys, remember me? We smoked weed together. <laughs> <laughs> and they looked at me and they just fucking laughed at me. They just fucking laughed at me like a bunch of, you know what, a bunch of doo-doo heads. So. Yeah. Wow. That sucked. That was actually, sucked. that was legitimately a nightmare. I don't usually have, like, nightmare nightmares. And my nightmares that I do have, it's not like, oh, there's a monster or, oh, there's, you know, like, something. It's, like, real shit. Like, real shit oh, that can sure. happen. Like, embarrassing shit. I had a dream once that I was walking by Warner Brothers Studios in Toluca Lake, California, and a heat-style shootout started happening on the street. Holy shit! Okay. <laughs> and I had to take cover behind a um, a garbage can, like a metal garbage can lid. Uh-huh. I had to use that as like a Captain America-style shield. So that was a dream that I had this last week. Does that? Do you like that? That I had that dream? 
I actually don't like that. I don't. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a big old no from me. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. It was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. So- um, sounds like so- it was rough, brother. Yeah, that was so that was one thing that happened to me. And then today this happened to me. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Hey, are you ready? Hey, are you hanging on the edge of your seat? What is that? Out of the doorway, the bullets rip to the sound hey. of the Hey. Hey, look out. Dun, dun, dun. Another one. No one tells a story. Bum, bum, bum. Another one tells a story. So um, I'm doing my drive that I do. And uh, I am like, you know what, man? I want a Diet Coke. I just want a Diet Coke. Yeah. So I pull into a shopping center that has a Burgerville. And I know you don't know what Burgerville is because it is specific to Oregon. It is a local chain that mm-hmm. uh, is only I, only, I believe it is literally only in Oregon. Maybe there's mm, a couple in okay. south, Southwest. Excuse me. I'm choking and dying. In Southwest <laughs> Washington, <laughs> I'm literally I'm passing away on the podcast. Um, there might be some in Southwest Washington, but I believe it's only Oregon. So okay. at minimum or at maximum, the physical Northwest. And I was like, oh, I'll just go in there, get a fucking drink. I don't know, whatever. I just wanted it. I just wanted it, okay. And so I get in there, and I'm going into the drive-through lane. It's like a long drive-through lane that has like a winding turn in it, whatever. And I'm going straight, and there's a car on to the right of me. And it's, like, slowly jetting out into my lane. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, I, like, stop, honk, and I'm like, dude, you're, like, jetting out into the lane. And mm-hmm. he, like, looks at me like like I'm an idiot, like, just yeah, like okay. I am, like, fucked up. Yeah. So I rev really fast and, like, drive around him, like, really passive-aggressively, like, fuck mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the drive through lane, and this dude turns into the little area parallel to the drive-thru lane. What? And looks at me. Fuck. Like, like, flags me like, hey, you. And he, like, yeah. fl- like does, like, waves a little bit. Yeah. Looks at me, points, and then just flips me off. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. So what do I do? Of course, I flip him off back. Yeah. I flip him off. I'm like, fuck you. Give him the middle finger, a little smirk. Mm-hmm. And then I look forward again, you know, whatever, listening to my podcast, listening to music or whatever. And then I look back where he was, and he was still there. He stayed there, and what? then he—I know—and then he—and then like he looks at me again. He was like waiting for me to look again, and he like did like th- he like scratched his like chin okay. or something. Like he like did that. Yeah, and the then he's on my chinny chin chin. And then yeah, dude, it was literally like some Marlon Brando shit. Like you come to me, <laughs> you come to me on the day of your getting oh a diet coke, flip someone off. You get the fuck out. And then he flips me off again. And then he leaves. And I was like, Damn. what a fucking awesome experience to have. Yeah. Only in co- only during COVID, folks. Yeah. I was going to make a about joke that. about that man being uh, Phil Elverum, but I couldn't find a good place to slot that in. Wait, why? I don't know. Because he's from Oregon. I was trying to think of a funny Oregon person that could. He's that not from Oregon. Oh, he's not? He's from Anna Quartz, Washington, my friend. Shows you what I know. Who's someone famous from Oregon that would do that to you? Tanya Harding. Ty, <laughs> <laughs> Ty flip yeah, off. Or I cut off she Tanya would be Harding. right, honestly. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. Anyway, no, this is what's on the uh, list. Like a- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, dude? I'll, oh, no. I'll wait. What were you going to say? That guy sounds like a what? A fucking asshole. Uh, and I'm sorry yeah, that he, he was. Yeah, he was a part of your day. But uh, this is just on the list. Yep. Folks, 15 <laughs> minutes in. We did it. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, we did it. Fifteen minutes in before talking about whatever the fuck this show is. You want to just you want to you want to end the pod right now? Let's end uh, it. yeah, let's do it. All right. Where can the folks find us, Mason? Uh, in under the snow. Uh... Oh, dude, come <laughs> on! Are you kidding me? Under the snow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a show about underrated music and movies. You're you're with me, Spuds McGee, and my co-host Tink. How's it going, Tink? <laughs> Fantastic, Spuds. <laughs> Couldn't be better. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay. Um, should we talk about the album? Yeah. Or you know what? What? Do we have? Do we have? Do we have any? Do we have any emails? Have Did you weeks? check to see if we had any emails? I didn't check to see if we had any emails, man. I mean, it's. <laughs> but I, maybe we might. Who knows? We, we get might. emails sometimes this. on this, this stupid fucking show. Do you have a shit report or something to occupy the time while I get the email open? Uh, let me think. Shit report. Put the shit report theme. Yeah, shit right report theme here. is going in right here. Mm-hmm. I was using the bathroom a lot the other day, and today, a normal amount. That is my mm-hmm. shit report. Probably. How about you? Any shit report? Um, everything's been good as usual. Good You've been sending me and another uh, friend of the pod, Thomas Serenarian, pictures of your shit. You want to talk about that? Do you, do you not want me to do that anymore? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, do I like when you do that? Not really. But is it funny? Not really. <laughs> so that so, should stop. <laughs> no, you can do whatever you want. Was there an email? Do we have any emails? No emails. No emails. Great. Uh, let's talk about the first thing on the agenda mm-hmm. today, which is the album. Um, we got a Noah pick for the album and a Mason pick for the movie. You know what that means. Uh, I don't know. I don't. What does that mean? <laughs> what does exactly, that mean? exactly what it says on the label. Uh, it's like a Lara bar. No artificial anything. Is that what no bullshit? Lara bar? Yeah. The, the label, the label that is on this podcast is this is the no bullshit zone, <laughs> baby. <laughs> what is is it? Is it T? What is it? Uh, what's the no spin zone? Oh, that- uh, uh, that's uh, isn't that O'Reilly? Is it O'Reilly? For some reason, in my mind, it's the Bill Maher. What's the What's the the paparazzi show? TMZ. TMZ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is TMZ the no spin zone, or is Bill? Who O'Reilly gives a the shit? No That's zone? this podcast is the no spin zone. That's what. You Welcome to the no spin zone, folks. We're gonna talk about some bullshit. We're gonna talk about a movie, and we're gonna talk about an album. We're gonna talk about the album first. This is a Noah pick. Today, we're gonna be talking about Simple Plans' debut album, No Pads. No helmets, just balls from 2002. Snap, 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 snap. Um, Mason. Mason. <laughs> Mason, hi, sweet boy. Hello. How's it going? How you doing over there? I'm drinking some tea, man. It's, I'm chilly. I got some, some Yogi stress relief tea. I'm, I'm feeling okay. How are you doing? <laughs> Great. I don't care about the Yogi <laughs> to be honest with you. But what I do care about is knowing if you had any history with Simple Plan or this album or just pop punk in general, I guess. I guess yeah. 
Simple Plan was one of the biggest bands when I was in middle school, which means that it was kind of like, I got a lot of it through osmosis, but I never, uh, I, I feel like I've said this on the show a couple times. I wasn't a huge pop punk kid as like a middle schooler, just because when I had my iPad, I had this kind of other access to a bunch of other music and pop punk wasn't in that kind of collection. So I mean, I would have to like pay for it or, you know, God forbid, ask a friend to borrow a CD Oh my um, god, I can't even imagine case, doing such a thing. In any yeah. case, I was familiar mostly with like the kind of big hits from Simple Plan and that they were in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. And I remember feeling as a kid when they popped up in the Scooby-Doo cartoon like that was an appropriate place to see Simple Plan. <laughs> you know? Um, and I can't remember the last time I thought about them until you pitched this to me at the end of last week's record. So <laughs> yeah. that's where I ended up. Well, here is what I will tell you about my history with Simple Plan. Uh, This band, to me, for a time, was what some people, what Blink-182 is slash was to some people, I Mm -hmm. think. This was like, when I think of like young angst, like me being in like late elementary school, middle school, Mostly, like, damn, yeah. these are the guys that understand actually what it's like to yeah. go to school and have it be shitty. That yeah, was them yeah. to me. And I really enjoyed their music, just, like, on yeah. the whole. Like, I was like, oh, like, I just like Simple Plan. Like, this is like a, a band that I like. I remember they were on the song Shut Up, which isn't on this album. It's on their other album, Still Not Getting Any, the one that came after this, which... Great title. Uh, love to hear that. Thank you for Tink. You like that? You like that title, Tink? <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's 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 it makes sense for the band Simple Plan. Uh, they went for it. Yeah, they went for it. Um, and they were on this Kids Choice Awards album. Oh, uh, that okay. had like a bunch of like different. I think JoJo's Get Out was on that album. Mm. Ryan Cabrera on the way down was on yeah. that album. I feel Remember like that Simple song. Pl- yeah, I. Not right now. I feel like they were kind of a. I don't know if they were. If you would hear um, "Simple Plan" on Radio Disney, but that like kind of an, an adjacent uh, radio station. I'm trying to remember if they popped up in Radio Disney ever or not. Because you're seeing a lot of bands and and songs that remind me of listening to Radio Disney AM thirteen hundred. So, it was actually it was actually uh, "Welcome to My Life" that was on the Nickelodeon Kids oh, Choice okay. from 2005, which is still on, still not getting any. Uh, you also had the song "Invisible" by Clay Aiken on mm, that. Excellent. <laughs> on that, you had um, "My Happy Ending" by Avril Lavigne. Oh, if you remember Avril Lavigne? Yeah, classic. That is a classic track. I love that track, honestly. Uh, you have Tangled Up in Me by Sky Sweetnam, which I think I did a parody of briefly on the show once. Um, yeah, that's what we I think and, we welcomed 2021 with. That was our last 2020 <laughs> wrap-up episode that that was the parody for. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Um, right. And then Dare You to Move is probably one of the other big ones off that by Switchfoot. Now, that's a good song. I like that song a lot. That is a good song. They are good. Switchfoot is good. That you know, maybe a future episode where we cover some Switchfoot, but they are maybe. good, I think. I legitimately like them. Uh, but all to say, in and around that time, I would say like 2005 to 2009, I was like, Simple Plan are really good, and I don't know why anyone else doesn't fucking feel this the way <laughs> I feel this. I don't know why Peter Frampton doesn't feel the way I feel about <laughs> Simple Plan, basically. And when I listen to the songs... It really makes me think about, like, 
going to the mall and like early adolescence, even like preteen yeah, years of just yeah, like yeah. feeling like no one understands you except for like the few musicians and few artists that you like know of at the time who you think do. Mm. And then like, you know, it's just like that era of shit. And then I'm just a kid was in the movie cheaper by the dozen, which is off this album. There it is. Okay. I saw that movie, yeah. I think maybe two or three times in theaters, honestly. I've, that's one of those movies that you end up seeing a lot as a kid for one reason or another. It's a it's a really good family movie because like it's not animated for if your parents hate that shit for whatever reason and like yeah. you know Steve Martin and Body Hunter in it and they're like pretty funny you know yeah. for whatever reason but and then uh, Grow Up was actually a bonus track on the original issuing of this song but it was featured in the opening of a game that I rented from Hollywood Video back in the day and it stuck with me. Those were the days, okay, yeah. (laughs) And it was the song Grow Up and it was featured on Disney's Extreme Skate Adventure, which was a Tony Hawk 3 clone with Disney branding on it, basically. Did Mm. you ever play that? No, I just played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. I didn't want for any pale imitators. (laughs) It was, like, fun when you are a kid, but, yeah, I yeah, want to play yeah. fucking Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 now. I can't – I was literally playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remake right before we did this bullshit. Um, but <laughs> that is all to say that I never fully understood why they didn't have a bigger reach. They were mm. popular enough, but no one really talked about them in the way that they talk about, like, a Green Day, for example, or a Blink-182 mm-hmm. or, you know, a My Chemical Romance or something like that. Mm-hmm. They kind of all were more along like some and like contemporary bands. I feel like um, that maybe are more in line with the simple plan stuff. Are people like All Time Low, Mayday yeah, Parade, yeah. the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, Taking yeah. Back Sunday? These mm-hmm. warped tour bands. I feel like are a little bit more like the speed of Simple Plan. But I was always like, damn, they just always felt a little bit snubbed to me. And I was, and I loved, and I loved this album as a kid. Loved hearing these songs, especially some of the bigger hits. Just remember thinking like this shit rocks. But I hadn't really listened to it in a while. And then one day while I was living at home, you know, during this pandemic bullshit, I was like, oh, remember Simple Plan? Let's listen to some Simple Plan. And I was like, damn, this this shit kind of holds up, Mason. This shit kind of holds up, Mason. So I was like, put it on, put it on the list. We'll put it on the list. Maybe we'll talk about it on the show one day. And now we're here, and that's kind of where we're at. So, uh, should we talk about the album itself? I want to get so- say something right away. Uh, I yeah. only listened to this album one and a half times. <laughs> I did not. I it. knew it. I fucking knew it. You are a fucking little pants liar, liar, pants on fire guy. Uh, this is the only time this has ever happened where I didn't get full. I, in the hubbub of my week, I didn't have time to fit this into my normal music listening schedule, and I listened yeah. to it once. And then today at 8.24 Central Standard Time, which is roughly 35 minutes before we record, I realized, yeah. fuck, I didn't listen to the album again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I knew that because when I came on Spotify to practice doing the parody song, you saw me listening I saw to, that you were yeah. listening to, like, My Alien Girlfriend or whatever the my, name my that alien, song is. My Alien, yeah. Yeah. My alien. And I was like, yeah, Mason, I know what's going on on Mason's end. And um, I'm, I'm going to let him talk about it if he wants. That's, yeah, because that's Rake last... him over the coals for that. Yeah, that's I, I deserve to. I That's just poor planning and just uh, podcast management on my part. So here's what I'll say, though. Um, I think it's, on balance, a fun listen. 
Sure. Um, I ended up liking a good deal number of the songs, and even, like, the song Worst Day Ever has been particularly resonant for me. <laughs> I wonder um, why. Yeah. yeah, it's just about, uh, it's it's just about, it's, it just just feels. Um, yeah, I, I here, here's two notes that I have on this list. Sure. In my list, one after another, just like kind of charting my feelings. Uh, it's very up, three exclamation marks, which is nice. This music is big stupid, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what explain what big stupid is to you? I just I, I think stupid might be a little too harsh. I just mean that um, it's uh, it's has Basic. A, uh, it, I don't want to say a, a, a little bit just for me. Again, I liked listening to it. Um, it was an overall pretty okay experience, but I'm just like. Man, I am so far beyond the um, the intended audience for this, and I was trying sure. to listen to this as like myself as a middle schooler or roughly the age where I could have been and should have been maybe um, listening to this, and even as like like I could you know on the whole, uh, I think I would really resonate as a kid for worst day ever. Definitely, I'm just a kid. Um, Fuck. I think the song Vacation also I gave the little heart to. So that song was not originally on the main album. Because what is available on Spotify, if you're following along at home, uh, what's available on Spotify for this is the 15th anniversary tour edition. The original stopped at Grow Up, I believe. I believe that's where the original stopped at. So that's 14 tracks. Then you have Happy Together, which is a cover of the song by the Turtles. You have yeah. the live version of Addicted, which just says live from California 2017, which tells you fucking nothing, uh, except for the fact that it's live. It was from 2017. The song Vacation, which was a re-add to this. I don't know if it was like cut on the cutting room floor and they re-recorded it or what. I don't know. And then you have Perfect live from California 2017 and then an acoustic version of the song Perfect. Mm-hmm. But what was what came out in 2002 was 14 tracks, I'd Do Anything, through the song Grow Up, which was a hidden bonus track on the album. But yes, Mason, I'm going to say something, and I mean it 100%. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. This album is not as good as I remember it being. Okay. So that is where we are at with it. But I also don't think it's a bad album. I just don't think it's... Yeah, I agree with you on that, and... Um, but continue on your thought. Well, I was just saying, I don't think that this is a like b- bad album, quote unquote, if you no, want to use those no, terms, no, no. good or bad. But it definitely doesn't live up to my memory of what this album was and how powerful these songs were at yeah. the time. So this is I mean, a classic example of, yeah. wow, you think it's underrated because you listened to it when you were 13 years old and haven't listened to it since. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's some- where we're at. You do hope for, like, a small soldiers where it ends up being kind of almost better in your memory. But for the most part, you're like, oh, I see why I like this as a 13-year-old. Or I see why I would like this as a 13-year-old. Yeah, I gotta say, also, the song Perfect is maybe the whiniest song ever written. Uh, That's interesting. We can talk about that. I don't know. I just listened to it and I'm just kind of like, here's how I, here's my memory of that song. A, A specific memory I can actually attach to... Um, listening to Simple Plan. I believe that this song was on 
some kind of like PS2 microphone singing game. And we would sing star probably, huh? probably sing star or something yeah. similar to it. And we would sing that my cousins and I would sing that a lot on uh, kind of trips up in Michigan when we vacationed every year. And uh, that was a popular one for people to do because it didn't, require too much for you vocally <laughs> and yeah. uh i don't know i just kind of thought the song was a little, a little terrible whiny. and bad for you yeah a little bit a little bit <laughs> that's interesting i actually think it's the best song on the album to be honest with you i'm not kidding you i actually think that's it is okay. the one <clears throat> that holds up the best i think it is the most emotional resonance listening to it now okay. now that i'm 24 years old that it had a similar impact on me then and it has a similar impact on me now not to say that it's like an incredible song but i think of the songs on the album it is the most consistent in my mind it is the song that when i was younger hit for me in a very emotional way and now that i'm 24 years old hits for me in not the same emotional way but in a way where i'm like yeah that's a very specific time in your life like that is a very specific like moment in your life where you feel those emotions very intensely, maybe for longer than when you're in your adolescence and your teenage years, maybe, you know, shorter for some people, but that wanting to live up to what you think your parents are expecting Mm. of you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty universal theme. I think that's a pretty universal like idea uh, that they're conveying there. The other songs are fun uh, for the most part. There's some songs on here. I don't think are very good as well, Uh, but the ones that I'd like, that aren't the song Perfect. And I actually think the acoustic cover of Perfect at the end of the album is better than the original studio cut of the song Perfect, which is an elect- like hard guitars and stuff. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you on that. Um, it is a song that I think is asking for a little less uh, intensity than that per- than that version on the studio album is, is giving it. But... Uh, I feel you on that. I had one note that was kind of like a little jokey joke about it. I said, uh, yeah. perfect is maybe the number one daddy issue song of all time, just edging out Cat's Cradle. So that's my thought on perfect. Okay, that's interesting. I disagree. Uh, it's fine. So... I re- it's kind of snide. I know it's very snide. Uh, yeah, coming from you, you uh, Mason, you are one of the least snide people that I've ever met in my absolutely. life. So hearing, absolutely. So hearing that from you <laughs> is fucked. Um, God must hate me. I'm just a kid. And the worst day ever, hilarious names for songs. Almost don't seem like real names for songs. They seem yeah, sort of yeah. like, like, that is what the band in the movie is playing when exactly. the kids yeah. go see yeah. the concert. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but just to touch on some of the songs that I do think are fun, if not good, quote unquote, but I think entertaining enough. The first track, I'd do anything. I That's think it's a got a great song. little, I think it's got great little lively energy to it. It's the yeah. first track on the album. And you know, I do anything just to fall asleep with you. It's pretty, it's sweet, you know, on a certain level, you mm-hmm. know, we're not, at the, we're not at the, we're not like on an Eminem level of like weird lust and weird like fast you know infatuation yeah. with women. We're on you know middle school you know level of infatuation where it's like, damn, I would love to kiss that girl. I would love <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. you know, I would love to hold her hand. I'd I would love, love to, to go like, on a date with her. I'd like, to, I'd love to just roll up to her at the skate park and just plant one, you know. Yeah, and then fucking roll off and do a kickflip and twist your ankle so hard that you have a walking boot for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so that's one's pretty <laughs> that's fun. That's a very specific experience. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who that happened to, not me. Uh, <laughs> it actually didn't happen to me, so haha. Uh, <laughs> actually, it didn't happen to me at all. Um, song I'm Just a Kid was in Cheaper by the Dozen, as we talked about. Yeah. Uh, and I will say this, you know, getting getting a little personal here, but that song was kind of big for me. At the time, my parents got divorced when I was going into the second grade, mm. and that movie, The Cheaper by the Dozen, I think came out that year, if not the next year, like the end of the school year or something like that. And I just remember seeing that movie and like thinking, oh, that's a great song to use in the like montage that they use it in. in yeah, the movie. yeah. Just because I was like, my parents are fucking divorced now, and that's new to me, yeah. and that fucking sucks. And so there is a little bit of emotional resonance with that at the time. Now it's just sort of silly and a little bit like fun to think about but i don't know how much there is to it really you know i think that that song's pretty charming i think that's another universal theme i'm just a kid and life is a nightmare totally so fun song still i think that song's still fun biggest surprise on this listen uh Mm -hmm. for me was the song meet you there i think meet you there is a nice song that was i think i was i did not ever really give that uh song much attention or the time of day when I was listening to it through. It's not like one of the ones that is like yeah. really remembered from this album, but I like the idea that there's some sort of like cosmic destiny at play in this yeah. song, you know, like wherever you are, I will be there as well. It's again, it's sweet. There's a lot of yeah. sweetness in these songs, albeit not a lot of depth, but sweetness, very basic borderline or not borderline, very like surface level sweetness. And then that song yeah. surprised me. I don't really remember that song from, Back in the day. Did you have any thoughts on that one? I wrote, I do like when they make the guitar sound like sirens and meet you there. And then right underneath it, I wrote the ballad piano when the ballad piano comes in during the, uh, during the middle. Yeah, that's a sweet song. I give of the, to my knowledge, two alien songs on the album. I kind of like my alien a little more. Is meet you there an alien song or you were saying like a cosmic kind of thing of the two cosmic songs i guess guess. my alien is like straight up sci-fi shit i don't think meet you there is alien i don't think it's alien all right whatever (laughs) we don't Uh, the next song addicted we i will who cares if we'll talk about it i don't care addicted funniest thing that can happen is them saying i'm a dick i'm addicted to you that fucking blew my mind when i was younger did you like that mason because you're four years old (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah uh uh this no this song didn't particularly do it for me i'm gonna say no thank you to this song uh even though i do send poop photos in a group chat not a particular big fan of uh the song addicted by simple plan well when you listen to the live version of addicted live from california live in 2017 from Cal- live from california baby they're a canadian band to go to california is a big deal Right, Dustin? Live from California, it's 2017. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fucking huge deal, dude. It's a huge deal to go to California. Um, But they, in that version of the live version of Addicted, the the crowd is singing so much of this song. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the live version of it. I did. But the crowd is singing so much of this song. It goes to show that, like, whether there was an attachment to this shit when they were younger and now they're older and they're having this sort of like nostalgia trip or it still hits them in some way, shape or form. There is something to be said for that, that people will go and they will watch this band and they will sing along to a lot of the song. I think there's something there. I'm not saying it's good or it's bad, but I'm just saying they clearly have somewhat of a following. You know what I mean? It's there. People, 
they were a popular huge band for his very specific like for like yes it makes sense that people would sing along to the music i agree i agree and then the only other one i wanted to point out was the song grow up because i said it was on the uh was on that video game that I had, the Disney's Extreme Skate Adventure. I always thought that was a fun intro to that video game, and I thought that song was fun. I'll throw it on sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to fucking grow up and fucking bullshit and bullshit-ass song. Uh, but, you know, there. listen, it's not as good as I remember. I thought maybe I'd be like, oh, man, Mason, you gave Simple Plan such a hard time, and now look at you now. They're actually good. I'm not gonna go on. A, I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say that this is a quote-unquote good album. I do think there are fun songs and there are songs that can be enjoyable, but I'm not gonna say this is an overall good album personally. Uh, but what what do you have something to say about what I just said there? Do you think what would you say that this album is if you had to say this album is something? Mm, I would say you know what al- other album was coming to my mind a lot when I was listening to this uh, in my most What's recent that? listen was um, Welcome Interstate Managers. And I was kind of... Interesting. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking like, if someone came up to me and was like, hey, I am new to planet Earth. I just heard of this band, Simple Plan. But I, I love the song My Alien. Because but I love the song My Alien. Alien. That's why I came to Earth. Or if, if someone was like, <laughs> I was trying to think of like, would I recommend this album or not? And I would just say that uh, it there are songs on it that I like. If you have like some kind of attachment to the band, I think it's worth just a listen for your own kind of memories of being that age, your own maybe attachments to the songs. Uh, me, I was listening to it kind of neutrally. Um, <clears throat> and I just kind of feel like if someone asked me if I would like, if, if they should listen to this album, I would say, not really what you should listen to instead is Welcome Interstate Managers by Fountains of Wayne. You know, Interesting. Like point them in that direction more. I don't know if that's fair or not. We've covered them both on the show, so I think it's a little, you know, that's not a difficult hurdle I feel like w- Welcome Interstate Managers, I feel like that's a little bit more along the lines of like a bowling for soup type comparison almost. I feel like a simple plan yeah. comparison is more along the lines of a, a Blink-182 or a or just, Fallout Boy or something like that. Yeah, but I there's like a very um this album so the uh, uh the Simple Plan album does have a playful kind of energy to it that I really like and I think that it's it's when it's hits it's fun. It's fun. Like I'm with you that this is I don't think it's a bad album. I think there are songs on it that I like, and I had an overall. I'm very like kind of edgy on it, very Maso Menos on it, and I just am kind of like. I also don't know what to do with it, to be honest. Sure. <laughs> I think that's where I'm at. Basically, I just don't know what to to particularly do with it. Like, if you're curious, listen to it. If not. You're not. I don't particularly think you're missing anything, but uh, well, let's uh, let's do some fast facts, and then yeah, when we're yeah. done doing fast yeah. facts, you can decide what your official yeah. uh, recommendation. Maybe these facts is. will will push me on one in one way or the other. They will definitely not. Okay, so facts don't like... care about my feelings. That's right. <laughs> fact, you're gonna about to get owned with fucking facts and logic. You fucking yeah, brother. Simp. <laughs> <laughs> you simp for music. You fucking cuck. Uh, Simple Plan (laughs) is a Canadian rock band from Montreal, Quebec, formed in 1999. The band's lineup consists of, I'm going to butcher a lot of these names, Pierre Bouvier on lead vocals and bass, Chuck Comio on drums, 
Jeff Stinko on lead guitar. That's you, Jeff Stinko. That is me. Uh, <laughs> year of the Jeff Stinko. And Sebastian, this is the real fucker, Sebastian Lefebvre. I don't know. L-E-F-E-B-E-R-E. Chef Dustin, please email in with pronunciation guides for these gentlemen. <laughs> Dude, he's Western Canada. I don't think he fucking knows anything about French, but maybe he does. Uh, I'm sure he knows a lot about saying a boot, though. Uh, hi, Dustin. I know you're listening. Uh, rhythm guitar <laughs> and backing vocals for Mr. Sebastian, with all, po- with all four performing with the group since its inception. The band performed at Vans Warped Tour every year from 1999 to 2005, and in 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2018, the band also performed at the 2010 too far away from that particular bandwagon if you know what i mean you know i do i never went to warped tour either but i almost wish i kind of had i actually think i would have had fun but i think at the time i was like intimidated by it because it was like a big event and it was like so many different bands and i didn't know what was really gonna happen i just felt like it was like a little like intimidating in that regard but yeah looking back i would be like damn that actually i probably would have had a good time but i never went uh in 1993 pierre bouvier and drummer truck Truck <laughs> drummer Chuck Comi, I don't know Chuck drummer Chuck formed punk rock band Reset when they were both 13 years old. The group would later tour Canada with the likes of Face to Face, Ten Foot Pole, and MXPX. They released their debut album No Worries in 1997. Unhappy with the musical direction, Chuck left to attend college. Reset released their follow-up No Limits in 1999. Later that year, Chuck formed a new band with guitarist Jeff Stinko and Sebastien. Bouvier was going tired of being growing tired of being both the lead singer and guitarist. He met Comio again in late 1999, joined the band's joined his band for some time. Bouvier switched between the group reset and this new band before ultimately leaving reset to be in simple plan full time. And as they began touring, they underwent the name simple plan in 2001 on warped tour. The band released rehearsed material at Rumblefish studios before recording at Arnard studios in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Arnold Lanny produced the sessions. He and Ziad Al-Hilal handled recording. There were a number of occasions where Lani would leave Stinko in charge of recording for a few days at a time, only to come back and scrap everything he did. I don't know why he would do that, but he did. Real, real, real cool thing to do. That nah, I don't know why you would even bother doing that. That sounds like some, some straight-up bullshit right there. Yeah. Uh, the opening track, I'd Do Anything, was one of the first songs written for the album and features Mark Hoppus of Blink-182 doing backing of vocals. So shout-out to Mark Hoppus. Definitely more of a Blink-182 fan in my days now than Simple Plan, but I don't know. I think this was a good try. Uh, the members had become friends with Blink-182 when Reset opened for a show in them in 1997 and subsequently stayed in contact. Joel Madden of Good Charlotte provided provided backup vocals for the song "You Don't Mean Anything." You like Good Charlotte? Do you I did about like Good Charlotte? Charlotte. I did like Good Charlotte. Yeah, that was my kind of I, band from this this period. I almost want. I like was like thinking about it because I was like, man, like this band, like this album did not really like live up to what my memory of this album was. And I like was looking around at like similar bands, and I was like, oh, I probably should have bought either Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Or um, what was the name of that other? What was the one with "I Just Want to Live" on it? Do you remember the name of that album? Was that the one that came after "Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous"? 
Yeah, it was called, I'm looking at it right now, it was called The Chronicles of Life and Death. That's it, yeah. You know what, you should have brought that one on, because I loved that album as a, as a fifth grader. That one actually yeah. has a little bit of a significance for me, so we'll put that on the list to bring it on later. Okay, good. I'm down. I'm definitely down. Uh, the Japanese exclusive live album Live in Japan 2002 was released on January 21st, 2003. What the fuck are you doing releasing a Japan 2002 album in 2003? God damn it. Uh, Addicted was released as a single on April 1st. April Fools, haha, Addicted's out. The CD version included the cover of this. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! I'm trying to read these facts! <laughs> The CD version included the cover of the song Surrender by Cheap Trick and the video for Addicted, while 7-inch final version included Surrender and a demo of One by One. The track's music video was directed by Smith and Boren. Who cares? Don't know what that is. In the clip, the band destroys possessions in a room <laughs> and ends with an explosion inspired by the effect in the movie The Natural from 1984. Last cool. one. Last yes. fact. Yes. No yes. pads, no helmets, just balls. Received mixed reviews from music critics. All recent huh. reviewer Todd Crystal. Shout out Mason. Opened his piece by stating the band didn't have, quote, anything new to say, but at least it sounds like they're having a good time or saying they're having a good time, being, quote, so full of pep and energy. The band fails to, quote, break any new ground and doesn't stay revved on all cylinders all the time. Par Winberg of Melodic said he was, quote, so bored with the Blink-182 ripoff acts, such a simple plan, quote, trying to be funny on the sleeve, trying to be funny on the sleeve with a nerd look. I don't know what on the sleeve means, but doesn't like simple plan. Uh, Mason, my Mercedes valuable player for this album is actually the song Perfect, probably the acoustic version, to be honest with you, even though that's not technically part of the original issue. You can listen to it on the 15th anniversary tour. Uh, and I'm going to give this a conditional recommend. Pretty much similar to you. If you never listen to this album, there might be a couple songs in there that are fun, but this is not essential listening by any means uh, yeah. or any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. What's your Mercedes Valuable Player, and what do you think? Uh, I was going to do mine, give mine to uh, Chuck Kumo? Kumo? I'm not quite sure. The drummer. Because uh, sure. on each of these songs, he sounds like he's having the most fun, the most sustained fun. Uh, and when I felt my kind of like energy and... Uh, I guess tolerance for this album slipping a little bit. I listened to him and he brought me right back to where I should be to give this like kind of an honest, an honest appreciation. I'm also going to conditional recommend, you know, I think that, uh, very mixed on it. I think that, um, couple tracks, you know, we highlighted our favorites on this. If you're thinking about giving it a first time, listen, listen to those, but I don't think it, it I, I, I agree with you. It's by no means essential. Um, but it's, I guess it's fun, you know, it's fun, fun enough that there is something to be gained. Like, you're not going to walk away. <laughs> Here's what I think is going to happen. If you've never heard this album before, you're either going to walk away completely with nothing. You're just going to be like, okay, that was, you know, 45, 50 minutes of my life. Or you're going to be like, there were a couple fun songs on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe one that I'll put in my rotation at some point. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. That's it's it. really not, not great. It's not terrible, I don't think, by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But it's not essential at all. And uh, I actually think you and I are pretty much on the same page here with this one, Mace. Which is not going to be the case for the thing we're about to talk about. <laughs> it is this, okay, 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 okay. I'm, okay, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Mason, what are we talking about next? The 2013 uh, science fiction film Coherence, directed by, uh, what's his name? I am so stupid. James, it's James Ward Burkett, I believe is how you say it. He, yes, James Ward Burkett. Uh, this is kind of his only thing. His only other thing is being the co-writer of the film Rango. 
the yep. um, Johnny Depp cartoon lizard movie that I actually look back on fondly and kind of want to rewatch and maybe want to bring back on the pod when I'm not doing this bit uh, for this particular stretch of time. Does that sound important right now? Uh, the kind bit of those... being you bringing on things you've never seen before. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Committing to this bit still. Don't see any reason to end it. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Do you have any history with this movie before I said let's talk about it on the show? I didn't even know what movie this was when you said let's talk about it on the show. And mm, then okay. when I very briefly looked at it on Letterboxd just to be like, what is what what even is this? There's a poster that has the red ping pong paddle on yeah. it and mm-hmm. the title Coherence. Mm-hmm. And that poster looked familiar. I was like, okay, I've seen this movie's poster before. Yeah. And that was it. I didn't know anything about this movie. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know who was in it. I didn't know who worked on it. I didn't know if people liked it or not. Very much blind other than the poster. So that's where I was at with this. Not a ton to say as far as my history with it goes, mm. but what about you? You seem to have kind of a big history. Um, I remember this. In 2013, that would have been um, either my freshman year of college ending going into my sophomore year of college. Um, so my first like kind of summer being independent, more or less. And I think in the spring, this movie came out and was getting some kind of buzz just like from critics that I followed on Twitter. And I think it popped up maybe at the Music Box or some other theater in Chicago. Um, In any case, I kind of was like, this is interesting. I'll give this a shot at some point in the future. And that point in the future became doing it on the show in 2020. Uh, It's been in like my aunt, like my can. Are you going back in time on me? You say in 2020? (laughs) 2021. 2021. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, uh, So eight years almost basically. Um, it was sitting in my like kind of Netflix queue. I remember when it was like added on, I think Amazon prime or canopy or some other streaming site. And I'm like, Oh great. Coherence is on a streaming site. I can finally watch it. And it just was like kind of a perpetual watch list movie for me. Um, when roommate Colin and I were looking for something to watch a couple nights ago, we went past that. We saw it was like less than 90 minutes, but I'm like, I don't know if this is quite the vibe for tonight. Um, sure. And that was very close to when we recorded our previous episode. And I thought, fuck it. Strike while the iron's hot. I'm going to pull the trigger on coherence. Um, pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Pow, pow. I knew it was about a comet. I knew there was some funky time shit that was happening in it. I knew it was low budget. Um, yeah, you could say low budget again, dude. Holy shit. $50,000. Yeah. Made in the director's made in the director's house, which is still kind of a, an insane house. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, uh, shoestring, <laughs> shoestring. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I, this is also kind of on my radar. Cause when I was in college, I took a class about, uh, micro budget filmmaking, mostly just for like writing. Like it was like a screenwriting class. Uh, and I took it and I kind of, um, I kind of admire movies that are made at this level. And this was like kind of one that was getting a lot of buzz um, at a period of time where uh, this is before I took I, this movie came out before I took that class, but maybe it was referenced. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I have a, a lot of feelings about this, but I am curious. Cause yeah. I feel like almost from the jump, I knew that this might've been a terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> so here's what's up, Mason. I'm going to walk you through, walk you through this. Uh, the first 20 minutes of this movie were fucking incredible for me. 
You like the first I, 20? I love the first 20 minutes of this movie. It's sort of this. You can argue from literally the first second that a frame is on screen, you know how much money is spent on this movie, and it's yeah. not a lot. Yeah. This is a, like Mason said, $50,000 production budget for this movie. That's, you know, that's like a fucking one clip of a pinky nail, you know, that studio movies yeah. get, you know, yeah. as far as trying to make something that is out by Warner Brothers or Disney or something like that. And this is a completely independent movie, and I I have a lot of respect for that kind of stuff, too. The big example I think that people always think of is something like El Mariachi or Clerks, you know, that were literally yeah. made mm-hmm. for, like, maybe you know 20 bucks or something like yeah, that but like yeah. you know just nothing and this is the this is like the same George kind of Washington situation. yeah just like shit that was just made out of whatever was around just shit that you could do with you know nothing really expensive just shit that was there and that's commendable in a lot of ways you're making things despite all the limitations and that is commendable and for the first 20 minutes of this movie I'm like okay, this is sort of like a chamber piece. This is, you know, old friends catching up who haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, The moment I thought I was really going to like this movie is when the former girlfriend of the main character is like, oh, what happened with the dance thing? And she sort of talks about how the dance thing didn't work out for her. And I'm like, holy shit, this is about to be like, like Krisha or something like that. This is about Mm -hmm. to be, you know, something more along those lines. And then the sci-fi stuff starts happening, and I'm intrigued. I don't dislike what I'm seeing, but I'm more intrigued. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. not really what I thought this was going to be. Let's see how this goes. And I'm sure that's, you know, very purposeful on the filmmakers' end. You know, you think it's going to be this, like, indie sort of, like, you know, big chill possibly type thing with, like, mm-hmm. a little bit of a darker underbelly. Uh, and then the, this comet passes by and some weird sci-fi freaky shit starts happening. And then, you know, basically once once the big sort of first act twist or first act break happens in this movie, uh, from that point forward, it just became a type of movie that I don't really like very much. That's right. Uh, it became a type of movie where I don't – I really do not like when characters are narrating what is happening on screen. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of what happens in the second act of this movie is characters being like – well, what what it what's hap- what is happening? What could this be? Oh, could it be mm-hmm. this? So maybe mm-hmm. we should do this. And I think that's so fucking annoying. There's like very few things that I would rather, or there's very like that's like one of the things that I like watching least on screen. I don't think that's very mm-hmm. interesting. I wasn't all that interested in I think the like sort of the ploy of what's going on. So this is a movie that had me by had me on the ropes, Mason. This is a movie that had me you know on the little fishing lure. I was about to get lured in and then i smelled something good happening in the other part of the lake or happening in the other part of the ocean mm-hmm. you know had to go catch justice or something like that yeah you, know? had to, you were after a big tuna called justice <laughs> i was after a big tuna called justice and i'm like okay coherence sorry i got other i got other fish to fry quite literally and i just sort of lost interest and i was hoping that you know something would happen in the movie that would make me regain interest and the moment I think this is a better chamber drama than it is a sci-fi movie ultimately mm-hmm. at the end of the day the parts I'm most interested in are the parts where they're just sort of talking to each other trying to gain things out of the relationship trying to undercut other people in the house that's the stuff that I think is most interesting in this movie the sci-fi stuff I think is terrible personally I really mm-hmm. don't care about the sci-fi stuff in this movie and I don't dislike sci-fi by any means the you know the sense of the the sense of the word but I don't like this kind of thing. Like this kind of thing does not work for me at all. So that's what really didn't work for me as sure. far as this movie is concerned. Um, but what about you? 
So you've mentioned that one of my favorite genres of movies is uh, Brief Encounters. Another yes. favorite genre of mine. Something that I am always willing to try to meet at its level is like a time travel or time fuckery movie. Okay. Um, or a kind of reality shift movie. Um, like uh, a movie where just, for example, you can tell which characters... The char- you can tell which characters are uh, who they are based off of the uh, color of light stick they are holding. Um, okay. How you can make a kind of like small scale sci-fi movie with just like just like shit that you have lying around basically. Like I was just it, admiring its kind of like creativity um, with the limitations that it had. Um, and I guess I was kind of spoiled a little bit because I knew that there was some time travel fuckery that was happening to kind of anticipate. Um, And you like when things are spoiled for you. You're kind of a freak like that, right? A little bit. I mean, I like to know it's okay for me to know nothing going into a movie. I was more or less when I'm blind to see like the souvenir. Um, And even though there were posters for it fucking everywhere, I feel like I kind of went into Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse a little blind just because I didn't see a trailer or really anything about it before I went into the theater. Again, saw billboards all over the fucking place that already kind of made up my mind about it before I saw it, but I didn't. This is like going in blind. In any case. You like Spider-Verse? No, I love Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse is one of my go-to like comfort films. Honestly, I love that movie so much. It's so fun. Movie's fucking awesome. It's fucking incredible. Probably the best single best theater going experience I ever had was seeing that at the Cinerama Dome. Uh, oh shit okay yeah, that's cool it was tight as hell this movie coherence um <laughs> god so it's sometimes you just make me do things on this show that make me want to rip my own dick off and wear like what like like bring the movie coherence onto the onto the podcast no not even that it's like when you're just like saying something and then you just are like yeah and this movie and i'm just like oh mason i want to wear my scrotum as a hat when you do stuff like that <laughs> You do stuff like that. I don't want to give you a big kiss. It's not a, a critic. It's not a criticism. I just you do some things sometimes that make you want to give you a big kiss and then spank you really hard. So <laughs> that's it. Anyway, what were you saying about coherence? I'm sorry. I just um, had a little moment there. Uh, no, you're cool. You're, it's 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 fine. It's fine. Um, what was I saying about coherence? This is a movie that kind of gave me a. Um, I think this movie was always going to have a little bit more of an edge for me just because it is approaching like a kind of micro budget um, movie with and, and really getting their, you know, money's worth out of it. Um, you know, I like when multi- when characters play or actors play multiple versions of the same person. Um, yeah, you're a big Norbit guy. I do love Norbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love... Um, I don't know. I was. I really admire this movie. Is is what my feelings are toward it. I think, and I like that it. Um, honestly, the reason why I forgot about to listen to Simple Plan for a second time was probably because my mind was preoccupied trying to un- unpack this movie, and that's a sure. sensation, and that's a thing that I like. I like when I watch a movie and it gives me something to uh, chew over over the next, you know, couple days or however much much longer it is. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is. Um, there was a, p- a period where I was just like not, and where I was just not writing notes and just watching the movie. Um, oh, that's my MPP. Um, oh, brother, uh, I've never seen Primer. 
I haven't uh, seen but Primer I have a feeling, either. I have a feeling this movie has a lot in common with Primer as far as it being a micro-budget sci-fi that is very much heavy on the sci and less on the fi. You know what I mean? I think this movie, yeah. whether the sci is actually real science or it's movie science, it's much heavier on the, well, how did this happen? Than the, well, how is this how are we going to respond? How are we going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's less heavy on the fi than I think on the sci. I think that kind of stuff is a little more on the boring side for me. Um, But were you a Twilight Zone fan, a Twilight Zone kid? I mean, I didn't really watch it all that much, but episodes that episodes of it that I've seen, I've liked when I took a class in high school, it was a playwriting class in high school Every single time I took I took the class multiple times, and every single time that I took the class, the teacher would show the episode "The Nick of Time." I don't know if you're familiar with that episode. It's with William Shatner. They put a quarter into this little machine that always spits out a fortune, and they sort of get addicted to it. You know mm. what I'm talking about? I'm not familiar with that. Not as familiar with that one. No, that sounds great. Though. Are you a Twilight Zone guy? I did like the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I'll get the DVDs from the library when I was a kid. I liked the short little sci-fi stories, or when it was on like you know cable or whatever and i can tv land yeah tv land it's gonna happen upon it i thought it was a fun show i liked it i liked it as a kid it is fun they're really well written and they're about something you know at the end of the day which sci-fi is sometimes just fantasy at the end of the day sometimes it is but when sci-fi works best it's actually about something that people on earth can relate to you know what i mean and i think this movie is about something that people on earth can relate to but we can get back we can get to that later no, let's. I think we should talk about that now. Yeah. So I the, the thing that I was doing. <laughs> so, sure, fine. So did, so you didn't take anything. You didn't take anything away from this this movie. No, I'm not gonna say I didn't take anything away from it. I just think it's boring. Like that's my biggest yeah. complaint with the movie is I think it's boring. If a, if a movie is boring, it is above all else in my mind like tough to to muster a little bit. But gotcha. there is something at the end of this movie that does make a case for like what this movie is capital A about. You know what I mean? Like. There is like agree, yeah. The thematics of everything, because I don't know. Most of this movie in the middle is just a bunch. It's like eight people who are all talking over each other, trying to figure out what to do next. To me, that's just not interesting. To me, it's like let's let's you know let's let's have a little bit more direction here. I'm fine to a certain extent with some meandering and a little bit you know just like sitting in things. Yeah, but I think generally I want to see less meandering less like you know little blue the bear stealing the picnic basket like let's just fucking get on with it let's see what's next let's watch these characters yeah and i don't really think you get to know these characters very much either like i don't think i could tell you a lot about these characters i i agree with that i think that these are very much like kind of genre archetypes i think it's kind of funny and i didn't realize i didn't know this at the time was reading about it afterwards that i realized it um, the guy that plays Mark, I think that character's name is, was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but in the movie, yes. he's on the show Roswell. So, Which was a real show, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, Roswell a real yeah, show? It's, well, that's the thing. It's also kind of like having fun with the, um, yeah, it's a very kind of Altman thing to do, I feel. Like, a movie that this kind of reminds me of. Have you ever seen Images, the Altman movie? I have seen that movie, actually. Yeah, I feel like you would like images a little more than you like coherence but for me they're kind of they're they're on this they're, they're playing the same game basically to me they're this they're players on the same team for me i think what is the same game i have seen images i like images more than this but what is the game that they're playing that, I, that they're on the same team so with? you know this movie is about uh i haven't seen images in years so i can't really speak 
it's the Mannix or whatever uh, uh, with any kind of authority or any kind of confidence. But with, with this one, uh, it's a movie about split realities. And in it, the text of the movie is saying there's a character in here who is basically from a split reality. A guy that you might recognize that was, let's say, this is the version of that universe where, or this is the version of him that's a character that got the part in Roswell and so the part on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he was in every episode except for one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and then it kind of, the comic comes and you start to realize that there's more versions of these people out there of at least the house. You know, that sort of kind of unfold itself in front of you and you're like okay oh and then it's also brought up when um you know the the m who ends up being the lead character though i don't think it's that's quite apparent um at the top she starts talking about I how think, i think it's apparent at maybe the top. It's apparent. we start the we start the movie with her right i'm sorry what i mean is that and this is this is a mason's facts fact actually um, oh emily baldoni who plays the character of m figured she was the lead of the film around the time that it showed she figures out what the numbers mean so about a little more than halfway through the movie, the actress, re- that actor realized, oh, wait, this is, I'm the lead character here, which I think is interesting. That um, is interesting. I love that Mason had a fast fact this episode. That yes. doesn't happen all the time. And Not all the do, time. It's like, oh my so, gosh, you're a little baby, you're being a little baby boy. So then, you know, they're talking at, over dinner, that scene that you like a lot, and you're, they're yeah. bringing up the idea of like, oh, parallel realities, they, the, the show sliding, or the movie sliding doors. And now I'm kind of being keyed up like, okay, so this is what they're trying to pick up. Um, And the rest, the middle part of the movie, the part where it starts to kind of lose you, it starts to kind of set up, I think just in in, in the best way that it can, just visually, what the fuck, um, like the fact that these people are so far apart from themselves, almost, they're so far apart from each other. Um, that by the middle third or like kind of the, the, the last part of the second act, you realize that the people look the same, but they're not the same from who they were at the beginning, almost in a way. Um, and when that happens, I realize, okay, what's going to happen next? And then Emily Baldoni sneaks out and then she goes to, you know, she sees the different versions of the houses sees the different versions of her friends, and then she picks the one that looks the best to her. And kind yeah, of has she, to... she picks the best life. Yeah, she picks the best life, and she makes a decision um, where she basically has to, you know, spoilers, folks, spoilers. She has spoilers. to basically kill herself to take the part of herself <laughs> in this life. And what I think is fascinating is she makes that decision based off the look of it, but she is in a reality that's not quite different from the one she left. She's still like, um, didn't get, I don't, I, I think it's mentioned that she like, you know, they make a joke about her. She chooses to go to Vietnam with the husband. Um, but that's kind of the only, I think difference there. She's still like, you know, didn't have the dance career that she, that she wanted in that life. And it's kind of like, I like a sci-fi premise where you're with this character and the character makes the decision and you're like, fuck, if I was in this weird fucked up thing, if it was Comet Night and the the universe split and I wasn't sure if who I was talking to was my actual friend or just a very familiar version of that person, um, would I go after, and I found a life that looked similar to mine that was good, would I make, would I take that? Would I ha- do I have what it takes to, to do that? And I'm just kind of like tickled by that premise. 
And I like that this movie has this very enigmatic kind of cut to black thing. And I'm just like, ooh, yes, yes, leave me there. Leave me in that spot. I don't know. I kind of, I, I really admire and adore this movie. I admire and adore this movie. I, it makes me think about, like, uh, just, uh, fuck, what would I say? What would you sacrifice or have to sacrifice for a better present or a better reality? And it's just like, that's another universal theme, I think. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that ultimately we do get there with the movie. Uh, how we get there, to me, is abhorrent and boring, personally. I think how we get okay. there sucks. I think, to me, it's like, we're cl- we're like, you know, you were in the, the we were starting out the movie in a fucking cherry red Ferrari, and then at the end, you know, at the first act break, it's like, oh, by the way, the Ferrari broke down. We have to put you in a Geo Metro, and we have to fit six sure. of you in this Geo Metro. And then by the time we get to what is, I guess, the last ten minutes, it's like, Oh, we actually got you a replacement Ferrari, but is it a Ferrari from a split universe? Is this the same Ferrari that you were in at the beginning? Who's to say? And there is something to be pondered at the end, but I, it doesn't matter to me ultimately okay. by the time we get there. I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it. I think we're sitting through too much muck and too much inane blabbering that doesn't ultimately lead anywhere. The plot actual plot elements of this movie really suffer as far as what happens in the second act and we'll talk about I have and I know why I think I think I know why. It's because of how this movie was decidedly made and we'll talk about that in the fast facts that the actors were pretty much just out to sea with absolutely like yeah. nothing to go off except from a very small paragraph that they would get at like the beginning of each day. So it doesn't work for me. It doesn't ultimately yeah. work for me although that you know the ending, there is something to be pondered. So, you know, if you can sit through 90 minutes of it, fine. I don't think it's worth the 90 minutes that it is. But ultimately, that's what the movie is. It's micro-budget sci-fi, soft sci-fi about <clears throat> someone basically deciding whether or not they should take a life that looks better than the one that they have now, ultimately, to find out maybe it's not all that different after all. Did you like Arrival? I did like Arrival. I liked Arrival a lot. I, I saw Arrival very uh, in theaters shortly after the Trump election, and it was in a very fragile emotional state. Uh, and I am not sure if I would rewatch it and feel as strongly as I would. I'm kind of hoping that I would rewatch it and find that it's better than when it was when I was in theaters, when I saw it in theaters. But I do like that movie quite a bit. That's interesting, because I don't like Arrival. I think that movie's boring as well. And so, But I thought that there were... It, they're, like, similar to me. The coherence and arrival are similar to me in mm, a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. As far as how I felt watching the movie, I think I enjoy arrival more than coherence, ultimately, but I don't really like either movie that much. But I think maybe that's an interesting double feature. If you liked arrival a lot, maybe this movie's for you. If you didn't like arrival, I don't think this movie's for you, ultimately. But if you like images, else? If you like images by Robert Altman, this movie's for you. That's what I'll say. And if you um, are curious about this movie and you're not sure if you want to dip into this water yet, watch Images. Images is also very good. I like Images a lot. Um, I wouldn't say Images is really good. I would say it's fine. Uh, can I give you some fast facts about Coherence and the director? Yeah, do it. Okay. Burkett. James Ward Burkett came up with the idea for Coherence after deciding that he wanted to test the idea of shooting a film, quote, without a crew and without a script. He chose to shoot this film in his own home and develop the film's science fiction aspect out of necessity as he wanted to, quote, make a living room feel bigger than just a living room. Don't think he did that, in my opinion. Uh, relying on a below budget of $50,000, the movie was shot over five nights in a single location with dialogue that was largely improvised. 
Instead of scripts, the actors would receive only a small paragraph as their goals for the day. This allowed the story to unfold naturally and create genuine reactions in the other actors. I think that is the biggest detriment to this movie, personally. I kind of, I didn't know that before watching the movie, but I kind of picked up that that might be the frequency, uh, just because there's a lot of scenes of people talking over each other, and that's difficult to script. Uh, you know, if you're improvising, that's what naturally happens. Um, I don't know. I can generally vibe with that stuff, and I think that that's actually a uh, to the film's credit that that's how it was made, in my opinion. Uh, the set only had five crew members, two sound guys, a DP, the director, and producer Lenny Bausager. Cool name. Cool name. The director, James Ward Burkitt, wanted to use his own house as the setting of the movie, but since his wife was eight and a half months pregnant this and is, wanted yep. a home birth, she agreed to let him do so as long as he could do it in five days. That's kind of a scoundrel move, I feel like, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, that's that's the year of the... 2013 was year of the scoundrel. That was some real scoundrel <laughs> shit. <laughs> that was some scoundrel shit. I would be like, honey, you are not doing this. But at a certain point, it's like, you're going to have a kid in fucking, you know a month or whatever it I is. I think that you can push off making a movie to have your kid personally. Well, it's like, well, it's like, are you, would, would you rather me do this before we have the kid or after we have the kid? Okay, I think before fair. we have the kid is easily, the easy oh, you know answer what? there. You're you know right. What I mean? You're right. You're right. Yeah. Because then the kid won't be screaming while you're trying to make a movie, especially if you're making it in your house. I agree. I agree. You're right. That, yeah. uh, that is ultimately the right move, but it's like, dude, that is, I don't know. I still don't like the idea of your wife being ready to pop at any second and you being like, shut the fuck up. We're improvising some bullshit about comics <laughs> in the kitchen. Pisses me the fuck off. Um, here's, my, this is my favorite, uh, here's my favorite fast fact. Are you ready for this, Mason? I am ready for this. Lauren Scafaria, who plays mm-hmm. Lee, also directed Hustlers. Yeah. She was the and. I- Yes, sorry. What? What? I said my first note is love a movie where you don't recognize any actor's name except Lorene Scarfia. And yeah, it's cool that she's in this and she's cool that she directed the film Hustlers. And wrote the screenplay for Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and wrote and directed the movie Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. So she actually has had a little bit of a career as far as like making movies herself, which I didn't realize. I thought she only did Hustlers, so that was news to me. I haven't seen Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, nor have I seen... Didn't she also write The Meddler? She did, but I didn't even know what the fuck that was. Oh, I remember The Meddler. What is that? What is that? It's The Meddler. It's it's The Meddler! (laughs) It's The Meddler! Jerry, it's The Meddler! (laughs) It was like... Jerry! uh, I would always see see trailers for that at the the landmark in Chicago, at the Century Center landmark, I feel. Like, that was a big-time landmark movie, was the uh, Susan Sarandon-Roseburn mom comedy. Uh, The Meddler! Jerry, it's The Meddler! You gotta be careful around The Meddler! Well, I don't want to be careful around The Meddler! (laughs) And Elaine's like, oh, The Meddler's not that bad. And George is like... You did it again! You messed with the meddler, Jerry! (laughs) (laughs) Fucking terrible, dude. Fucking awful. Uh, She also had the least idea of what movie was being filmed since the rest of the cast had done test footage. She only knew it was going to be improvised, and around the third day of filming, she realized it wasn't supposed to be a big, broad comedy. Don't blame her. 
Sorry. <laughs> I don't blame her. <laughs> the neighborhood was supposed to look completely dark when the first group visits the other house. It was the same night that a fucking Snickers commercial was being filmed in the neighborhood, which used huge lights and hundreds of people. That nope. sucks. I do have big, uh, big sympathy for that. Only in L.A., baby. Uh, only in the city of Angles, baby. Uh, the filmmakers do not reveal how the comet was filmed, other than to say it was a practical effect. Woo. That's kind of cool. Um, some scenes were reshot six months later. Uh, Lauren Scarafia. I don't. Am I saying that? Is it? I Staff, think it's Lorraine Scarafia. Scarf- oh, goodness gracious! I'm so sorry. Oop. What'd you do? Are you there? I, no, I was trying to click <laughs> over to IMDb to see if I could try to figure out how to say her name, and I accidentally clicked. Stop video on Zoom, but I'm back, folks. Uh, Lorene Scafaria, Scafaria, I think. Oh, Lorene, are you Scaf- sure? Are we sure it's not just Lauren? No, I think it's Lorene Scafaria. I think it's Lorene Scafaria is her name. If anyone knows how to fucking say that name, please let us know because I yeah. feel like it shouldn't be that hard. But anyway, Lorene Scafaria was what we'll say for now. Changed her hair during that time, so they spent an $8,000 on getting a wig that matched her original hair. This was as much budget as the entire first shoot. That is crazy. I That is crazy. <laughs> I can't in believe addi- that. <laughs> in addition to directing Coherence, James Ward Burkett also has a story-by credit on Rango, which you mentioned, along with Gore Verbinski and John Logan. He was also the concept artist, or a concept artist, on the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That was like what he did prior to that shit. Uh, and, he apparent, and it says he designed some of the most iconic sequences of the series. It didn't go into elaborate what it was. I didn't find anything on that. He was also the production illustrator, which I don't know what that job means, but he was for the 1997 comedy Mouse Hunt, as well as a storyboard ah. artist for the 2017 film Baby Driver. Mm. He is set to direct a film adaptation of the Aaron Loeb play Ideation, but I could not find any further details about where we're at in the process of that. But that seems uh, directing a play for him, a one room, one act play seems right up his fucking alley. So hopefully that turns out well. I'm rooting for the guy on that. Cool. Yeah. That's it. As far as fast facts are concerned, Mason, what's your Mercedes valuable player on this? I want you to uh, see if you can you read that. Uh, can you move MVP to the comet? Best supporting actor is what it says. Okay. Yeah, my MVP is the fucking <laughs> Comet, baby. I love the Comet that brought us on this wacky adventure with all my best friends. Lorene Scafaria, Hugh. That is a that Amir. is a fucking thing that someone that is a fucking something that someone would say who likes this movie would say. My Mercedes valuable player is the fucking Comet. Yeah, that's some bullshit that you would say. Sorry. Yeah, I'm brother. Just, yeah. Yeah. I'm on my yeah. fucking bullshit tonight. You are. <laughs> Come at me, you bro. Don't have to tell me. Okay, ah, uh, good story. Cool story, bro. T- tell it again. Watch the movie again. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my Mercedes Valuable Player is the dinner table sequence in the first act. That's what I like most about this is the chamber drama element of it. Not really huge on the rest of the movie, so this is going to get a do not recommend from me. Mason, what about you? This is going to get a, just a regular old recommend for me. I know this is not everybody's thing, but I think that if uh, you had this on your list and you're curious to check it out, Check it out. I think this is, if this is not on your radar and you like a little headier kind of stuff, sci-fi stuff, probably like this too. Um, I had a good time with it. Regular old recommend. We did the show. Fucking finally, dude. <laughs> fucking Christ. Uh, Mason, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Letterboxd. I'm at Noah Marger. 
I just changed my display name to Noah M. This thing of ours, <laughs> Marger, on Twitter. So you can just search at Noah Marger if you don't want to type that bullshit in, which I don't blame you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Noah.Marger. That's Noah spelled B O T, or dot spelled B O T, Noah.Marger. Find me on Letterboxd, Noah Narger there. You can find me uh, on my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. This week, we're talking to Abigail Sims, sweetheart galore, Abigail Sims. About Formula One racing. Should be a good one, folks. Should be exciting. Should be doing some twists and turns on that one, like mm -hmm, a Formula One course, or as it's known as, as a circuit during the Grand Prix, is what my research told me. Uh, and you can also watch uh, your local government stuff on Instagram uh, at ylg.world, that's dot with period, and your local government comedy on YouTube. Uh, and that's it, as far as my pleasure is concerned. Mason, take us out. Uh, find me at uh, my other podcast, The Barney Podcast about the Shield, wherever podcasts are found. Find me on Instagram at hotdogrebicki. Find me on Letterboxd under Mason Bonanem. Yes, maybe put a last surname on there so that I'm not one of those people, but those people are nice and kind. We get shit taking this part out. Um, you can, uh, I'm going to restart that entire thing. You can find me, <laughs> fuck, you can find me on Letterbox under my name. You can find me on Instagram at hotdogdebicki. Um, you can also find me at my podcast, The Barn, a podcast about the shield. Um, very close to the end, folks. I think we have about two or three more episodes to go on that whole entire series when this episode comes out. So, uh, boy, oh boy, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch good television, is what I want to say. Um, one more time, thanks for listening, folks. Black Lives Matter. Black Trans Lives Matter, abolish, defund the police, tell somebody you love them, um, as always, fuck Joe Biden, and we'll see you all next time. See ya. Yeah.